welcome church family. My name is Tara and I am very excited to be here today. Uh, today we are talking about Sabbath rest. And so I would like for you to picture the irony of a full-time working mom with four kids under the age of seven teaching about rest. It is delightful to me. Um, but we are supposed to embody that which we are going to be preaching. And uh, I get to preach on Sabbath rest, and Pastor Matt had to preach on fasting. So I'm pretty sure I'm winning <laughs> in all of that. But as we start today, I feel like the way that this service has already gone is exactly the way that God was already moving in this week. As I thought about coming and talking to my church family about this topic, it's a topic that I have been wrestling through since 2019 in the fall. We had just come out of a season of real burnout, and I think heartache is a good word. And as I think of where we were even in that song, it feels appropriate to where we are today. But for us, that was a time that had been a very long two years. In that time, we had had, well, in the Three years previous, we had had four children, which is wonderful and exhausting. We had dealt with my mom's illness for 10 years, and then death a month after the twins were born. We, had, uh, we were evicted from our home while I was in labor with our twins, and had to move three months later while fighting the eviction and planning a funeral, two funerals. And it was a season of tiredness. After that, we settled into normal life, where we kept four kids alive for a year. And I'm not sure which part, which part was harder, the first year or that second year, but that year was very difficult. And so we entered September 2019, both me and Paul, just tired, burnt out, and needing rest, but not knowing what it looked like. And I would hear that God, that Jesus would invite us into a rest, and that his burden was easy. And I believed him that I didn't know what it looked like to walk in that or to receive that. Sorry. The, I'm part of a phone call every month with admin administrators and people that do communications and finance from other every nation churches across all of Canada and the States. And that month, we had started reading the book Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton. And in it, they talk about the different spiritual disciplines, very similar to some of the things that we've been talking about here. And when they got to the chapter on solitude, uh, the author described going away to a retreat alone where they weren't going to be doing any talking and they were going to be waiting for God to speak to them. And she said she was struggling with knowing how to hear from God. And she said to the spiritual director, like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't know what's happening. And the spiritual director looked at her and said, your soul is tired and battered. You can't do anything until you rest, and it may take longer than you think. And this hit me very hard, because I felt like that's where my heart was. I felt tired and battered, and I knew until I rested, nothing was going to change, but I didn't know how to find rest. <laughs> I kept trying, <laughs> uh, but in my own strength, I think, trying to do what seemed good and ending the day scrolling on Netflix, but it wasn't the rest that my heart needed. As I read that chapter, I felt God invite me away for a weekend, and I had to battle the belief that I was just wanting selfishly to get away from my kids. <laughs> uh, the idea of a weekend away sounded really great, but I actually believed that God was inviting me to be with him. 
and it scared me. I'm a talker. I like talking. I come from a family of talkers. I married a talker. Uh, the idea of a weekend alone with God was super scary. I actually didn't know if I could do it. <laughs> and so I committed to doing it. I booked ferries. I made plans. And a week before, because God is good and gracious, he sent me away with my best friend. <laughs> he asked me if I wanted to invite her. And I said, but God, I'm not trying to weasel out of you. And he said, you're not. I know what you need. Invite your best friend. Okay. So we went away, and in that time, I got to meet with God. In that time, I experienced what I now understand is a slice of Sabbath rest. And we had moments where we drove to Cathedral Grove, and I have a backpack, so I didn't quite know where I was going to go to spend time alone with God. I didn't have a chair. Should have. I had one in the car. I didn't want to carry it. Bad back. Uh, and I saw this, like, little steps. And so I walked up the steps uh, in this tree. And then I noticed that the log laid perfectly for me to rest on. And so I laid on this log and I stared up at the sky, middle of November, no rain. And I just got to watch the clouds and the trees and God met me. And we went to Rath Trevor Beach with our camping chairs and cozy blankets and looked at the ocean and prayed and read and God met me. And then we were cold and we wanted to go to a hot tub, but we didn't have a hot tub. And we prayed and we found one for $5 at a hotel, and God met us there. <laughs> and we wanted food, and so we walked, but we wanted food with a view, because that sounds good. And God provided a restaurant on the ocean, and we had mimosas, and we ate brunch, and it was amazing, and God met us. And in all of those places over that weekend, I felt like God gave me a glimpse of what it looks like for him to meet me, not just in serious moments, in solitude, not just in laughter and feasting, but in all of those things because he is good and he is with us. And so that's what I want to talk about today is Sabbath rest. When you're broken and when you're living high and happy in all of those places, there is a rest that God has for us. And I don't know yet what that looks like every day. And I, I feel like it's a thing that I've been learning to walk out these past two years. And sometimes I do really well at it and other times I don't. But in all of those, it's part of the journey of growing closer to my father and experiencing something more and more true with him. And so that's what I want to invite you into. Last week, Pastor Greg said that we don't fit Jesus into our lives, but we fit our lives into his kingdom. And I really believe that that is the invitation with Sabbath and with all the spiritual disciplines that we've been looking at. We can't fit them in to the lives that we currently live because they won't fit. Our lives are not designed right now for the most part in this culture to fit in Sabbath rest, to fit in prayer, to fit in solitude. We have to change what our lives looks like if we actually want to walk out lives that involve them. And I believe that Sabbath is the key to living at the pace of Jesus. So the invitation is that God gave us Sabbath to rest and to enjoy. Hebrews 4, 9, 11 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. God gave us Sabbath so that we could rest and enjoy. He did not need to rest in that story, but he chose to rest on the seventh day as a model for us. 
Knowing that we were made in his image, he intentionally set a rhythm of work and of rest for us to follow because he knew that we needed it. But rest wasn't his only motivation for Sabbath. He wanted to take a moment to enjoy all that he had created, the world, the animals, and us. He created, he saw that it was good, and he stopped to enjoy his creation. And this is the Sabbath invitation, to rest and to enjoy. We're made in the image of God, so that means that part of being human is an invitation to rest like God and to rest with God. So why do we struggle with that? I mean, that sounds really good. Who wouldn't want to do that? My voice even got more calm while I talked about it. It just sounds good. Why is this one of the only Ten Commandments that we really, really struggle with? You don't hear a lot of sermons on why we shouldn't murder or cheat. I feel like those are pretty obvious. Uh, This feels a bit out of line with that. But the problem is that we have said yes to control. Rest is about who rules. And in our refusal to rest, what we're doing is far worse than merely not taking care of ourselves. We're actually telling a different story than the one we say we believe. When we refuse to honor God as creator and Lord, then we're refusing to lay down our own rule. And that's what Sabbath rest is about. Sabbath rest is the practice by which we say with our lives, the God who made the world rules the world, and I trust him to do it better than me. That's hard for me. (laughs) I think that's been the biggest tension in wrestling through this, is that belief. There are so many times where I know that, I believe that, and I don't act that out with my life. But Sabbath places God as Lord of our lives and demands that we relinquish control. We've also said yes to hurry. We live in a culture of busy and hustle, which is in opposition to Sabbath. Connie Ten Boom once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Busyness wears down our souls, but even worse, it cuts us off from God. Dallas Willard said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. In our haste, we miss God. We assimilate to the culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads us to being more distant from God, which deteriorates our relationship with him, which leaves us more vulnerable to further secular assimilation, and so the cycle goes. As I've learned these things these past two years and I've looked at my life, there are so many moments where I say, what do the people who live in my home think I believe the most? What do the people I'm rushing to meet and cut off on the way there think that I believe? (sighs) Thankfully, Jesus sets a very distant pace, a decidedly unhurried pace, and a pace that keeps us connected to our Father and offers all that we need. So, what is Sabbath and why does it matter? Sabbath is simply a time of rest with a loving, relational God and time to enjoy that which is good. It comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which just means to stop. Uh, More than that, though, I believe that there are three main things that are true about Sabbath that have helped me grasp what it looks like, because I don't believe it's as simple as a definition, because it pulls our hearts in lots of different ways. And so one of the things that I've been learning about is that Sabbath is both a moment and a rhythm. Sabbath honors our human need for rhythms of work and rest. It teaches us how to live within the ebb and the flow of relationship with God. We schedule Sabbath regularly to ensure that it is not forgotten, that we have made space for it. 
We are so prone to fill our calendars and our times with anything else, but this sets it as a priority, and it draws our hearts into alignment with his. These ideas of priorities have been ones that I am very convicted about lately. I can always picture that uh, cheesy example, I'm sure my dad used it many times, <laughs> of the jar that you were trying to fit rocks and stones and sand into. And if you pour the sand in first, uh, you can't fit the other ones in. But if you put the big rocks in, there's room for the smaller rocks, and then you can pour the sand all around it. I'm sure that you have seen that somewhere. <laughs> and I believe that is true about Sabbath, that we have to prioritize these types of moments with God as those larger rocks, and then everything else has a space to fall into space. As I wrestled through this, I don't think it's just about a day or a moment. I keep feeling like God has been inviting me to establish a Sabbath rhythm. I think that as we, before we can keep a Sabbath day, we have to cultivate a Sabbath heart. It's not just a moment, but a rhythm in all of our lives. It's something we train in. It's an attitude that we adopt. It's something we do daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. It's a way of relating and of living. And I really believe that it's a lifestyle that allows us to experience a weekly moment of Sabbath or a weekly service on Sunday fully, because otherwise we arrive at these moments too tired, unable to engage in his rest because we're out of alignment with him. Sabbath is a gift. I love gifts. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's my favorite of all the love languages. It was given to us by God. It says in Mark that Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God gladly gives us rest, not as a reward for work well done, but as a sheer gift. We take this rest right in the middle of our work without apology, without guilt, and for no better reason than God told us to. That has also been very hard for me to wrestle through. I always think I should be doing five other things while I sit on the couch, and I sometimes hold the edge, and I stay there. <laughs> it is not as easy as it sounds. <laughs> Often we work and rest in our own strength with no relief, and our attempts miss the mark. It's embarrassing to admit that we don't even know how to rest well. Leisure is what Sabbath becomes when we attempt to gain rest outside of God. The pursuit of rest enslaves and exhausts us, demanding more from us than it gives. But our good father knew we needed rest, and he created a way for us to get the rest that we need. Christ is, as the author of Hebrews says, the hoped-for Sabbath rest for God's people. He invites us tired, weary, burnt out. He offers relationship that brings light and levity to our hearts, and he restores peace to our days, and he allows us to come away with our souls abundantly filled. He knows that which we do not know, that as we rest, he works, and he moves in our hearts and heals, and he meets us here physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Sabbath is also a command. Of all the spiritual disciplines we're looking for, a lot of them would fall under a commandment, but this is a commandment. So the Ten Commandments are a brief overview of what healthy life and relationship looks like. Um, and most of it makes sense. It's all things that break relationship. But Sabbath, as a command, is vital, even though we tend to dismiss it. God commands us to rest because he knows what is best for us. 
he commands us to imitate him in order to discover again that we're not him <laughs> and that we need him. Psalm 23 repeats his command. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He doesn't just command it once. It's littered throughout the Bible. And again, that sentence doesn't sound that bad. He makes me lie down. Why are we fighting this? <sighs> I think it's important to understand, though, that while this is a commandment, it is not legalistic. It is a command given to save us from ourselves. If anything, the Sabbath command breaks us out of the prison of our own rule, and it undoes our legalistic bent to go our own way. I picture this the most with my children when they are tired, probably also myself. <laughs> when we are tired and miserable and making everyone else miserable around us, and I just want to say to them, like, just go to sleep. <laughs> it will be better when you wake up. I'm sure there are so many nights I have held a child just saying, just sleep. Like, you need to just sleep. And I also know my husband has kindly said that to me on some low moments. Just go to sleep. It's going to be fine. <laughs> just rest. Sabbath is also a warning. Exodus and Deuteronomy both have a telling of Sabbath that are almost identical, but Exodus finishes with the line, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. The Exodus version finishes with the reminder that the Lord made all of the creation in six days and he rested on the seventh and we get to follow in his example. Reminds us that we are image bearers, that we get to imitate the God that made the world and it reminds us that we're not God. We discover in this our human limitations and that is the warning in Exodus that our human limits need to be listened to and respected. We are not God and we should stop trying. It won't serve us. <laughs> the Deuteronomy version finishes with the line, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. The Israelites were once slaves, denied of any choice of rest, and they lived under the rule of a terrible taskmaster. They lived under the oppressive yoke of the daily quota. No amount was never enough, ever enough. And while we aren't slaves, I think that sounds a lot like the lives that most of us have been living. And in response to this tyranny, God destroyed the taskmasters and gave his people freedom. But he didn't just freedom, he drowned that which had enslaved them. So here is the logic of the Sabbath command. Don't revive what God has killed. And don't place yourself in a yoke that God has already removed and destroyed. To refuse Sabbath is to spurn the gift of freedom. It is to resume willingly that which we cried out for God to save us from, to choose that which once oppressed us. And when I read these things in the Bible, I always go, why would you go back? Why do you want that? It's so obvious. <laughs> and then I do the exact same, obviously, again and again in my own life. I go back to the things I know because they seem comfortable. I go back to control. I go back to hurry because I know that it does something effective, even if it's killing other parts of me, but I can get stuff done. <laughs> I'm really good at getting stuff done. God invites me over and over again to not get stuff done and to take a day off and to not hide it, but to shout it loudly because of what it means. So for me, Sabbath rest is my refusal to go back into slavery. It's our refusal to be enslaved by the things that God has already freed us from. Because in Christ, we always have a way out. And therefore, Sabbath is a response. 
since God can, only God can rid us of these taskmasters, our part is to trust and to rest. Sabbath turns over all the things that are in our minds, our money, our work, our projects, all the things ahead of us, and it gives him control. It allows God to see and heal and be in every aspect of our beings, including the most vulnerable. It is letting go for one day out of seven all of these parts of our identities and abilities in which we are constantly tempted to find our security and discovering afresh that we are his children, that he is our father and our shield and our defender. As we rest, he watches over us. Psalm 62, 1-2 says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. I want that to be true of my life. Sabbath gives us a way to make that be true. Sabbath is a refusal to build one's own kingdom and instead an act of faith to join Christ in building his. So I'm convinced. I don't know if you are, but... Once we get these ideas in our head and heart, it is sometimes tricky to know what it looks like. I can often have great ideas, but if I don't put them into practice, they fade away. I have so many books on so many subjects, <laughs> but until they become something that I do, it kind of doesn't mean anything. So as with any of these types of things, we want to have practices that embody and rehearse our change of mind. Good practices make real our beliefs. It's going to look different for each of us. The things that I want to do on my Sabbath day are not the things that my husband <laughs> wants to do for the most part. But that is the joy of being different people. God wants to meet you in all of them. There's a lot of reading you can do on what it looks like. I could personally recommend numerous books because I have read many, many of them in my quest to figure this out. Uh, and Christian tradition has 10 best practices for Sabbath. But for me, a simple overview that I think helps us as we move forward is that um, we need to establish regular Sabbath rhythms. That was hard to say. One sec. We need to establish regular Sabbath rhythms that center around the choice to stop working and engage in rest, worship, and delight. And Mark Buchanan in The Rest of God says, we cease doing that which is necessary and we embrace that which gives joy. Oh, life. Marie Kondo got in my brain there. We cease doing that which is necessary and embrace that which gives life. My husband always laughs. He's always like, oh, does it spark joy? I'm like, you know what, though? A lot of people have resonated with that. And so I feel like this quest is a little bit of that. Does it spark joy? Does it bring you life? So when it comes to actually doing this, there's only two things we have to do. We stop and we rest. And then we worship and we delight. So resting our bodies begins with stopping. And it sometimes feels like this is obvious. I shouldn't really have to tell you that part of stopping or part of resting is stopping, but I need to be told that. Uh, what this means is we don't stop when we're done. We stop when it's time. And I don't know if you've seen a child who wants just five more minutes building their Lego blocks. That's how I feel every day at work. Just five more minutes and then I'll do it. Five more minutes. It's never five minutes, and I'm never done. So Sabbath forces us to say enough, and we stop our striving. We get to do things that we find restorative. We nap. We read on couches. We walk in nature. I don't, 
I don't like walking. Uh, Paul walks in nature. <laughs> we sit in nature. I really like that. Uh, we ride bikes. We take massages. There was a long period of time where I was working two and a half jobs and I couldn't figure out how to fit this in better. So every second Thursday, I scheduled a massage. It was a break and I knew it had to happen. I couldn't cancel it. I would get charged money. <laughs> I don't like that. Massages, lighting candles, listening to beautiful moments, a bubble bath, things that bring rest to your body, your heart, and your spirit. When I was preparing for this sermon, the night of the bigger storm where there was a power outage, I had just poured a bath, and it was the middle of the night, and I couldn't sleep. And so I'm like, I'm just going to do that. I'm going to try something to, to get some sleep back. And the power went out. At first, I thought it was spiritual attack. Uh, then I realized that was just the shape of a toilet. I was fine. I don't know what was going on. I'm like, well, it's dark. I've got my book. I lit candles. I relaxed in the bath. And I have never noticed that when the water is that hot in the dark, the steam and the light of a candle is beautiful. And I felt this moment like God had beckoned me and I had responded and he was with me as I read about Sabbath and I read about time with him. In this rest, we make space for God to move in us. Our bodies slow down and we're more able to experience him. We make space for him to tend to our hearts, to the deep hidden places within ourselves. And in those places comes healing. Last summer, I was wanting to do a repeat of that first time away. And so I went away by myself to the island and I floated. It's my favorite thing. That's my happy place, floating on Sprout Lake. And it was great. And I brought a stack of books because I said this was a time with God. So I was taking it seriously. And then I got out on the floaty and I felt like God said, don't you dare bring those books. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? <laughs> I floated for five hours without books, without thoughts. And I floated. And at one point I was about to fall asleep. And I looked over at my stuff, and I was like, oh, I can't fall asleep. It could get stolen. And I felt very clearly God say, I've got your stuff. You rest with me. And I floated for three days. <laughs> I didn't work. I floated with God. And in that space, I didn't even know till the end, but God was moving and healing. And there was many phone calls and conversations of just reconnection and relationship that came out of that time. And I didn't do anything to get there. But as I rested, God did something in my heart. I'm reminded of the verse in Exodus that says, the Lord will fight for you and you have only to keep still. That sounds simple and it's not. So I invite you to find a place to sit still. And the, nat the natural outflow of that sort of rest with God is worship and delight. Of course, we would want to celebrate a God who is good and wants to be with us. And so at Sabbath, we feast, we sing, we play, we enjoy. It's a time for relationship and celebration. Similarly to Christmas, we prepare in advance, and then we take the day off, and we observe a holiday or a holy day. So that is why we are commanded to observe the Sabbath. We do the same as we do on a holiday. We prepare in advance, and we enjoy the good things that God has made. We eat our favorite foods everywhere that I have read about this says there is no dieting on the Sabbath. Uh, you can eat. The carbs don't count. That's what it, that's what it looks like. Um, we laugh. We dance. We make love. In the Jewish tradition, you get brownie points for having sex on the Sabbath. So just keep that in mind. We're not Jewish, but still. Uh, 
we play, we do all sorts of fun things. Some people have called this pleasure stacking. It's like when you're gonna be going away on an anniversary, you save your favorite foods, you go to your favorite places, you like pick all your favorite things because it's a celebration and that is part of what the invitation is from God is to do good things together with him instead of good things separate from him. We do good things with our father. There's so many thoughts on what all of this could look like, and I don't know what it's going to look like for you. And for me, it has been already a two-year journey of trying to figure out what does this rhythm look like. In our D group recently, we were frantically Googling, does Sabbath exist for mothers, <laughs> or did he forget us? <laughs> but in all of these places, I know that there is a place that God wants to meet you, that there is a place in your life for Sabbath rest. But as we said, it does involve changing all of your life. And I believe it's worth it. As we stop, as we slow, as we enjoy, we get to do all of this with God. And we get to do it with those we love. This isn't just a solitary invitation. I believe this is an invitation for our families and our friends. I believe that as we do this in our lives, it will change the people around us. I'm struggling through personally the... the uh, tensions of wanting to have a section of my Sabbath without my kids. I love them, but they are tiring. <laughs> they want me. They love me so much. It's really great. Uh, but also, I know part of it has to be with them because I want them to live lives that involve rest with God and rest with people. And I know it makes a difference to the people around us, to your friends, to your coworkers, that you set aside a time for God. In a life that is at the pace of Jesus, rather than the pace of, oh, I don't know where I was going with that sentence. It's not complete, but that's fine. I'm just going to read this Bible verse over you because that's the more important thing. This is my prayer for all of us from Isaiah. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you keep the Sabbath a delight and call the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it not by going your own way and not by doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The worship team can come up and communion can start being passed out. Um, Pastor Matt's going to lead us through that in a moment, but I want to pray over you as we close. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that we would know how to turn to you. I don't know if we will know what this looks like, but Father, I pray that you would show us how to even start, that you would open up little slivers, that you would open up moments, Father, that we would come near to you and that we would see that when we do that, you were already near to us. Give us a path forward, Father. Meet us in this and let us encourage each other towards you that we would live at your pace, that we would live as you do, and that we would live in a way that the world around us can't stop but noticing. Amen.